at the, uh, at the early service this morning, we gathered on the grass facing the horizon and we heard from Matthew's gospel about the empty tomb. Each of the four gospels that made their way into the canon, into the, uh, into the approved uh, scriptures of the new church that was being formed in the first century, each of the four gospels tells their take their take on what happened that first day of the week. I invite you to lean in as we hear from John's gospel. John's gospel, it's John chapter 20. In the Bible I have, it's titled Empty Tomb. I invite you to, Empty Tomb, I invite you to turn in the Bibles that you brought with you to turn on your devices, scroll through, power those things up. It's John chapter 20, and I'll begin in the first verse. It says, early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. What does it take? What does it take to believe something? What does it take to understand something? There's this phrase, which I'm not sure is true. There's this phrase that says, seeing is believing, right? You know the phrase, seeing is believing. But I'm not sure it's true because there's a bunch of times that I've seen something and I didn't believe it, or at least I didn't know what to do with it. You with me? There's a bunch of times that I've seen something, but I didn't know what to do with it. I'll, I'll tell you a story, and, um, and for the police officers in the room, you can talk to me later about this because I probably... So the story is this, that... Uh, <clears throat> I was, uh, I was in the car, I was driving, and the family was with us, Julie and the boys, and Larry were in the car, and uh, we, were, we were driving in Julie's car, and we were, uh, we were at a little traffic light, you probably haven't ever been there, it's, nobody ever goes this part of town, it's on the corner of Highway 96 and South Houston Lake Road, does anybody know where that is? It's a very rarely traveled section of road, and um, I'm in between a McDonald's and a Chick-fil-A, and, uh, and way off in the distance, coming, coming, coming east on 96, I, uh, I see this uh, ambulance with all of its lights on. It's too far away. You can't hear it, but you can see it. All the lights are spinning and flashing, and it's making its way, and then it begins to slow down as it gets to the intersection, and it has to sort of weave through the cars that are just opposite of us, right, that, uh, that, that are waiting because that's what you do when you see an ambulance. That's what you do when you see an emergency vehicle. The law says you've got to get out of the way. You've got to slow down. That's what the law says. So I'm, 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 I'm making, I mean, I'm watching it make its way through, and then something happens. The light turns green. Seriously, I'm, I'm watching all this happen. The light turns green, and some fool starts to move out into the intersection. And his wife hits him in the shoulder, 
and yells, what are you doing? And I'm like, that hurt. <laughs> and for a split second, no, 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 for an entire hour, it felt like every eye was on me. Because it was. Because it was. In fact, the guy riding shotgun in the, uh, the EMT riding shotgun in the ambulance gave me the death stare as he rounded the corner. Now, let me be clear. I moved like 12 inches. I just started, I started to move forward about 12 inches, and then I got hit in the shoulder, and I, like, reflex hit the brake, and I didn't go any further. Now, look, all this proves is that I'm an idiot, right? <laughs> right? Can you confess? I mean, agree to that, John? I'm an idiot, right? Yeah. But here's the larger point, is that I saw it. I saw it, but I didn't get it. I, I, I saw all the cars stopping, and I know to stop. But then when the light changed, something happened, and I was like, well, it was time to go. And I just started going. Bam! And I stopped going. What it, hang with me. What does, it take to, what does it take to get it? What does it take to understand? Because... I would propose to you that it's not always enough to see a thing to believe it. Just, uh, just a week ago, we had, uh, we had some guests in worship. They, uh, they, 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 they walked into church and they spoke to me ahead of time and they said something that piqued my interest and I circled back and I talked to them for a little while after the service was over. And they were telling me, the, uh, the man was telling me that, uh, that he was delighted to be in church and that he knew somebody that I knew. That 60 years ago, when he was a young, young guy, that he went to First Methodist Church in Warner Robins and my grandfather came to town to be his preacher 60 years ago. It was actually 60 years ago this June in 1957 that my grandfather Carlton and his wife Augusta, my grandmother, and then my, my mom and her brother and sister all moved to, uh, to a little street just down from uh, Miller Elementary in the uh, west side of town um, that we now refer to as sort of like downtown and my grandfather became the preacher there. He was the preacher at First Methodist Warner Robins for six years while my mom was uh, a student at Rumble Junior High, right? Everybody, everybody what's up for Rumble? And, uh, and then Warner Robins High School before there was ever a North Side. So we don't even have to get into the little, you know, animosity between you guys, Warner Robins and North Side. He told me the story that after my grandfather and my mom and all them had moved away, that he went off to summer camp at Epworth-by-the-Sea, the Methodist camp, Epworth-by-the-Sea. He went off to summer camp, and that while he's down there, this is what the guy is telling me, while he's down there, he sees a man, and he walks up to him, and he says, hey, you used to be my preacher. And the guy's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. And the guy's like, yeah, you used to be my preacher. And the man's like, I don't know who you are. So all week long, he's trying to figure out, and he doesn't know why this guy won't admit to having been his preacher, because it's kind of rude. You're at church camp. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, just go with the flow. All week long, he doesn't admit to it until Friday. And something happened on Friday. On Friday, another man showed up and immediately said, Kel, how are you doing? How's your family? It's been a couple years since I was your preacher in Warner Robins. <laughs> and my grandfather is standing, talking to Kel, who's a young man, and he's standing right next to his brother Edward. 
they, they were identical twins. <laughs> now, I tell that story because they really were identical. And for all of their growing up years, and there's witnesses in the room that can admit to this, for all their growing up years, the uh, only way you could tell them apart from a distance, if you didn't know them, is that, that one of them would get a new prescription, and for a couple of weeks, he would have the newer set of of, of metal frames versus the plastic frames, or they would go back to the plastic frames versus the metal frames. You with me? The only way you could tell them apart. But most of their lives, they were identical, and you couldn't tell them apart. I, I'm embarrassed to say my, my great-grandmother used to dress them the same, and they kept doing it into college when they didn't even live in town with her anymore, right? So they were identical. But the thing is, I grew up seeing my grandfather Carlton and his identical twin brother Edward three or four times a year. We'd see him at, you know, at funerals and at weddings and at reunions and they would get together for events and I would see them and I always knew them apart. I knew them apart because of the sound of their voice. There was, there was the slightest difference and I could hear it. And I'm not bragging. It's just a fact. There's something unique about the sound of people's voices that helps us distinguish them. And this is a part of the Easter story. This is Mary's story as the Gospel of John continues. It says in the verses that we just finished, the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Well, they knew to go to the garden. They knew to go to the garden because Mary had told them. And, it's, and it seems that Mary has followed them back after this silly foot race that they've had. And it says in verse 11, Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels dressed in white seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot, the angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to the Father. Instead, go to my brothers and sisters and tell them. I'm going up to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he had said to her. This, this is the word of God for we the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Uh, imagine Imagine the emotions that Mary is experiencing as she stands in the back and the guys have left and she's devastated and she's crushed. Because, because not, only was, not only was he supposed to be the one that would, that would turn the whole world around, 
He was her friend. The church tradition is that, is that he extended grace to her when the world didn't. That he had spoken truth to her that the world was just, when the world was just offering lies. I mean, the, the, the church tradition is that this is Mary Magdalene. She's devastated at what's happened. And now the body's gone. I mean, no wonder she doesn't know what to believe, what to think. Because her eyes are telling her one thing, but her heart is telling her, no, no, no. So, so she enters the garden devastated. She enters the garden, and the story turns when she hears the voice. And the story changes. It's a scene that's placed in a garden and everything changes at the sound of a voice. Can you think of another time that happened? In a garden... And at the sound of a voice, everything changes. Genesis 3. Genesis 3 says, During that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And the man replied, I heard your sound in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So, in the first days of creation, the scene in a garden starts with a man and a woman who are united and in fellowship with the God who made them. But at the sound of his voice, knowing what they've done, shame and fear and consequences, and for that matter, just sin altogether, cause them to leave the garden distanced and separated and afraid and ashamed. It is not coincidence that the good news of Easter is placed in a garden. It, it is not coincidence that, that a story that begins with a woman who is distanced and separated and afraid and not understanding and ashamed enters the scene and everything changes at the sound of his voice. The voice of the one who made her and who knows her and has helped to put her world back together. This is the good news. Is that, is that we enter the garden separated and distanced and we have the chance to depart forgiven and put back together. Now, 
the best possible thing I can believe on Easter Sunday. And the best possible thing I can offer you on Easter Sunday is the gospel that tells us it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. Can I get an amen to that? It's okay. It's okay if like Peter, you don't win the foot race, (laughs) right? Because he didn't. It's okay if you, like Peter, get there and you see the stuff in front of you and you don't know what to do with it. Because the gospel actually never says in this chapter that Peter understood it or believed it. It's okay, it's okay if you believe it but don't know what to do with it, which is the story of the beloved disciple who we refer to as John most of the time. It's okay if you believe in it but don't know what to do with it with your head. And it's okay if you're like Mary. And, and, and you know that you have a relationship enough that when he speaks, you understand. But you still walk out of there going, now what? Now what? I mean, this is the good news to me. It's because I've been trying for years and years to, to make it all fit together, and it still doesn't yet. It's still mystery. It's still mystery how, how, how the mistakes I've made in the past are forgiven and how the mistakes I'm going to make are forgiven too, right? And yet they are. It, it's a mystery how he forgives me and forgives you because I've heard about some of the stuff you've done and shame on you, but it's not shame on you. It's, it's shame released from you. This is the good news of Easter is that every one of us enters the garden separated and distanced, and we have the chance to leave closer to the one who made us and who forgives us. All because the church can proclaim Jesus Christ is risen. Let's pray. Gracious God, I hear the sound of joy. It's the sound as we sing. It's the sound as we gather. It's the sound as we go forth. It is the joy and the hope that we have in you, O God. You are the one who's put a song in our hearts. You are the one who has put joy in our life. And there is no greater joy than the truth of Easter that all that's behind us and even all that is yet in front of us has been forgiven and you are the God who is putting things back together. It doesn't depend on us to have it all understood. You simply send us forth with the words, I have seen the Lord. Now let me tell you what he said to me on our hearts and on our lips. God, we're thankful this day for your son, Jesus, for the church's proclamation, and for life itself. And we offer this prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen, and amen.